Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Let people make my blood boil. I had fantasies of unloading a revolver into the head of any white person that got in my way, daring their body, and wiping my bloody hands as I walked away relatively gifted. With a bounce on my step. Like I did the world of favor. Uh, audio is pretty rough on that. That's a lecture at Yale University by a uh, Ph.D. at their child center for some reason, talking about how much she hates white people. The t- title of the uh, lecture was what white people in the psychopathic mind or something like that. Right. Um, Just by virtue of being a Caucasian, you're a psychopath and she would like to kill you. And not only was that speech not greeted with derision and fear and hatred uh, she was celebrated and it was it was billed for months yeah it was advertised on the campus for a long time and uh we live in such weird times that it, that flies under the radar the idea of calling one race just because of the color of your skin psychopathic that's yeah. okay now and uh we've got more of the audio or uh the verbiage at armstrongandgetty.com, armstrongandgetty.com. Very yeah, I got the tape for you. Yeah, there's so much that she expressed that is straight out of the mouths of Klansmen in 1915. And for the same reasons and the same justifications, fake science and prejudice and resentment and the rest of it, uh, but people who uh, believe her think they're the enlightened ones. They're the good people. It's a history just repeats itself over and over. Uh, a couple of different things. I got cable news ratings for you in just a second. Man, Trump going away, election being over. Everybody's ratings are down a lot. Not ours. Um, no, ours aren't. Ours aren't, actually. Ours are great. Which is great. Moving up. Thanks for listening, by the way. So we're leaving Afghanistan. Afghan troops suffer shockingly high casualties as violence mounts over the weekend. At least 150 Afghan troops have been killed or injured in the last 24 hours. And a surge of attacks by Taliban militants, nobody saw this coming. A surge of attack by Taliban militants as foreign forces withdraw, senior government officials said today. Fighting is now raging in 26 of the country's 34 provinces. So practically the entire country is in battle right now with the Taliban. Casualties are shockingly high. They're not even waiting for us to leave. They're they're not even concerned that we better we better wait till they leave, or they might they're so convinced that we're out the door no matter what. They're going ahead and taking over now. Yeah, yeah. How long is it going to be until Afghanistan has a 19th century government? The 23rd century? I mean, any sort of national organization. Maybe never. There's nothing that says they have to. No, maybe They'll never. stay a, a tribal, valley by valley, brutal, bloodthirsty society. Awful story. I'd say. Man, you read anything about what's going on in Ethiopia? Oh. I mean, I don't know. I shouldn't even brought it up. The brutality in the war that's going on right there, unthinkable. Latest cable ratings. The three major cable news networks all saw viewership slide in April compared to the same month in 2020. Wouldn't it just be Trump? It'd be the pandemic. It'd be part of it, too. April was like right after we all caught on to how bad the pandemic was. So that sounds legit, doesn't it? But yeah. Viewership was yeah. probably up then. Plus the whole feverish Trump anti-Trump oh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Fox continues to win, as it has forever, really, um, for years and years and years now. I won't give you the actual numbers, but the percentages. Fox, in prime time, still number one by far, but down 39% from a year wow. earlier. Wow. MSNBC down 22% with their paltry number. CNN down almost 
50% April to April. Bing, bing, bong, bong, bing, bing, bing. In the 2554 demo, the money demo, Fox down 45, CNN down 52. That's amazing. Those are some huge drops year to year. I'm glad we're not down like that. Yeah. We're actually yeah. up. Cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you see this uh, both on cable TV, talk radio, and, and we've talked about this for, for years and years as we've tried to fashion a, a radio show that would work. There are shows that always do politics, nothing but politics, and, and often kind of that classic we're always right, they're always wrong brand of politics. And there's some days that's in and it's hot, or sometimes it's in, it's hot, it's compelling, it, it, it feels necessary, and there's sometimes it's like, oh, God, I'm exhausted, leave me alone. And I think this is absolutely one of those times, but they either can't pivot to other things or, or they're designed not to. I bet you didn't hear this story for the first time. In seven years, the United States did not have one killer tornado during the month of May. Hmm. You know why you didn't hear that story? <laughs> Undercuts the whole climate change narrative. Right. But, you know, come on, you know how these people operate. They'll say that's proof of climate change. More tornadoes is proof, as is fewer tornadoes. And uh, I read part of this article in the Washington Post yesterday. Crocs are back. We mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. Sales have surged during the pandemic. And the brand's signature clog is turning up everywhere. It is now, there are a whole bunch of celebrities that are getting paid to wear them and now have their own signature. And so it's like a cool hipster thing now wearing Crocs. I hear like, they're comfy. I got to look into the world of Crocs. I've never had a pair on. I might love them. I don't know. But they, it's one of those like so uncool they're cool now, I guess, things. Mm. So. I think they're yeah. pretty cheap. What's a pair of Crocs run a guy? Look that up for me, would you, Sean? Uh, the ones I almost bought in Phoenix once, uh, I think they were somewhere around 40 bucks. They're that expensive? Just high enough I wasn't willing to, to, to get them on a whim. That's more than I expected them to be. Although the more they cost, the more I think they might be you know, worth wearing. I mean, if they're, uh, they're $15, I think they're probably They've seen some priced at... 50 bucks, 55 bucks. Okay. Yeah, they're pretty well constructed. But if you get like the Justin Bieber ones, they're like 280 or something. Probably, Yikes. Yeah. yeah, they're pretty expensive. If you get the really cool ones. Oh, here's a nice one for 75. What color are the $75 crocs? Yeah, what do you mean by nice? Nice in what way? Uh, it seems to have a really nice strap along the heel, kind of a, a marbled, uh, glossy top to it. Uh, mm-hmm. does not match the bottom sole. Uh, so kind of a, a two-tone look there. Wow, um, when you're stepping out. The yeah, formal yeah. Crocs. But still has the holes for your dignity to see. Though. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so that one's <laughs> 75 the key. compared to the Croc with marijuana leaves on it for 50 Yeah, that's one thing Croc caught on was like, hey, it costs us nothing to like put you know, any kind of anything on these. So if you're like a NASCAR fan, we put a logo on there or... Your Bugs like Bunny my buddy, fan, we put a Bugs Bunny on there. Well, a Star Wars fan who has two crocas. <laughs> there you go. Mm-hmm. Fur and everything, Sean. Unbelievable. Um, that kind of reminds me, Sean is threatening us with, us with this. If we run out of things to talk about, Sean has... The 10 best Star Wars villains ranked. And I got some <laughs> real issues with the ordering of this list. <laughs> Will number so, six shock me? We'll try All to right. stay away from that. Uh, I like this. This is in the New York Times, ladies and germs. The New York Times even admits this. Once a bastion of sh- 
free speech, the ACLU faces an identity crisis. An organization that has defended the First Amendment rights of Nazis and the Ku Klux Klan is split by an internal debate over whether supporting progressive causes is more important than their free speech uh, credentials. Wow. And that's in the New York Times. We don't want to defend free speech anymore. We want to do this. Matt Taibbi, who we love around here, wrote, The ACLU is just a partisan political organization now. Bears lessons at less resemblance to the organization that defined principled liberalism for a generation. He says he donated money to them for years, no longer does. Somebody pointed out that FIRE is uh, now more what the ACLE, ACLU used to be. What's FIRE stand oh, for? Oh, I love FIRE, the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education. Yeah, they are more the ACLU now than the ACLU is. Yeah, and campuswatch.org is doing some really good work in that area, too. And isn't it interesting that it's, once again, like the New York Times uh, newsroom, it's the internal stuff at ACLU. They got the young wokesters who are saying, no, 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 no. We don't want to re- defend all free speech, just speech that agrees with us, because they're evil over there. Right. You know, it's, and I, I had a long, long discussion with my son about politics and, and society and, and the internet and all sorts of stuff last night. It was very enjoyable. And I was also convinced that in spite of some of his, uh, hipster rock and roll Oregon, um, uh, outward, you know, uh, not appearance, but just, he's, he's definitely got the I'm a hipster rock and roll guy thing going. But his, his politics are still thoroughly grounded in reality, even if he disagrees with some things, you know, the, with me. Um, he's, he's very sane about it. But we agreed that principle is wildly out of fashion. And that if your tribe is advocating one thing or another, the principles that limit you, and that's the crazy thing about principles. They are inconvenient. Uh, that, that nobody cares about them anymore. And the idea at the ACLU that, all right, now listen, we're going to defend people we disagree with, that we agree with. We're going to defend people we disagree with, maybe even vehemently. But they have the same rights we do, so it might be uncomfortable, but that's why we're here. No, that's way too hard. They defended the the Nazis' right to march, the KKK's right to march, but they won't defend Donald Trump supporters. That's a line too far. That's that's interesting. So here's a a, a bit of a, a debate that got going on Twitter and social media between Jake Tapper of CNN, I kind of generally like, and Chris Wallace of Fox on whether or not they should have guests on that promote the fact that the election was stolen, the, the people that believe the election was stolen. And Jake Tapper has decided he won't have on any guests who are going to make that argument. Because why give them a platform is his argument. Mm-hmm. Chris Wallace went with the, I have them on so I can question them harshly on it, which he does. He'll have people on and say, what proof do you have that the election was stolen? Show me your proof. You know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of an interesting uh, two different ways to look at that. Right. It's it's a principled argument. Uh, it's it's a judgment call. Take this particular particular topic out of it. Any topic. Right. Could be any topic. Right, indeed. I was just come, uh, trying to come up with a couple of different examples. I mean, if there was somebody who, for instance, was going to argue like that lunatic at Yale, that yeah. there is a particular race that is genetically inferior, and indeed, you could tell by looking at the color of their skin that they're a psychopath, I would not interview that person for the purpose of knocking down their arguments, probably, because it's just so insane and ugly, I wouldn't want it to air. Huh. Interesting. Um, 
but it depends. See, I was thinking I'd like to have her on and say, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> well, once it achieves the prominence and attention it's gotten, then I suppose that changes the equation. Mm. It's a judgment call, though. Yeah, because you do elevate people by having them on. Y- yes, absolutely. I would think she'd fit more into the category of, like, uh, people would accuse us of nutpicking. She's so freaking out there. Yeah. Yeah. You're choosing somebody to try to represent the other side that's not representative of the other side because they're so crazy. But Yale had them speak at their child development center. Let's see if we can come up with a different term than nut picking. Just maybe during the commercial break. Um, <clears throat> uh, at the same time, though, there's absolutely value in prosecuting somebody like that. Yeah. It's a judgment call. I, I appreciate the two of them having that discussion. I think yeah. merely having the discussion is useful. I don't think either one of them is automatically wrong. No, no. It's a judgment call. Yeah, exactly. And and then, you know, ideas are a dime a dozen. Execution is everything. What happens when you do have them on the air? If they end up using it as a a way to increase their following among, you know, fellow nut jobs, then it probably wasn't a good idea. I am prepared to make a blog post about how each of the strategies in their own way is the quickest pathway to nihilism. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fantastic. Nah, right. Oh, boy. Governor Kate Brown of Oregon is going to end the mask requirements. It's your move, Gavin Newsom. Are you going to be the last governor in America who recognizes wearing a mask when you're vaccinated is freaking stupid? Are you going to be the last governor in America? Well, apparently you are. Still following the science. Apparently you are. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Same as the old boss department. I've got a great story. What are you threatening with, with, with Sean, if we run out of material? Uh, I've got the 10 best Star Wars villains ranked, and they have General no. Grievous at number 10. <laughs> oh. He uses lightsabers, and he took out Jedi's This segment looks pretty solid, so just rest easy. Next one, a little shaky, though, so don't give up hope. So the um, <laughs> publisher of the Washington Post did a long opinion piece yesterday on the meet the new boss, same as the old boss, really going after the Biden administration hard. Publisher of the Washington Post, Fred Ryan, slimed, slammed, not slimed, slammed the Biden administration in an opinion piece published for seeking email records belonging to journalists, calling its action an unprecedented assault on American news organizations. Oh, yeah, I read about this. It is pretty troubling. You have not heard this because it's not him going after Trump. Trump with the, uh, you know, all the uh, going after the media and how dangerous it was and people crying tears on MSNBC. He's the new Hitler. He's the new Hitler. And the Biden administration is doubling down on a lot of this. Um. Uh, bah, 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 bah. Well, you remember the Obama administration did stuff like this yes. as well, and yes. was incredibly not transparent. Yes. The press, their lap dogs, just lip licked their heels. 
Um, so Ryan, the publisher of the Washington Post, writing about how the the Trump administration had gone after the phone records of some journalists, and uh, and there was a real pushback against that. And evil. Yeah, they're Trump trying was, to figure out who was receiving leaks. Uh, Trump is like Hitler. We heard over and over again, and Biden said that he would not allow this sort of thing that was un-American. Fred Ryan of the Washington Post writes, however, the egregious acts by the outgoing Trump Justice Department and the apparent doubling down on them during the Biden administration should alarm all Americans, regardless of political persuasion. Ryan said the actions of the former administration and the subsequent expansion under the Biden administration pose a threat to Americans' ability to keep powerful officials in check. Hmm. It's an interesting question, and, and I'd love to, to assemble a panel of really smart and ethical people to discuss. Okay, if there are illegal leaks happening um, from government officials, and they are going to journalists, is there a legitimate, where does, where does, the, uh, where does the balance lie, the proper balance between the proper investigation of illegalities that betray the trust of the American people, by the way, And the First Amendment, protection for the free press. That is an interesting topic, and it's got nuances. It's not, uh, you know, open and shut to me. But it should be treated the same way when Biden's doing it as when Trump is doing it. Heck, yeah. And my tendency is I'm noodling it through kind of quick and dirty style is uh, you got to protect the free press. The free press is the uh, the penicillin for the, the, the infection of corrupt government. And we can't we can't play with that. In, in spite of the fact that they do a crappy, crappy job these days, at least a lot of them do. Obama administration went after him. Trump administration went off after him. And now the Biden administration's going after him. And I'm going to go after Tom Friedman for his kissing up to the Chinese. Stay around. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Aha! Luckily, some breaking news continues to keep Sean at bay. What is it that you have if we run out of material? Uh, Ten best Star Wars villains ranked uh, Mm, from the Den of Geek. Moff Gideon, number three, recency bias. There's no reason for him to be above Grand Admiral Wait, Thrawn. No, 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 no. What? Us discussing it is not you doing it. Oh. Recency bias. It's ridiculous, <laughs> Den of Geek. Ridiculous. Supreme Court rulings coming out in June every day. Any day we're on the air, a big ruling could come out. This one, Joel will have to tell me how big a deal it is. The Supreme Court rules against permanent residency for some immigrants. The Supreme oh. The Supreme Court ruled today. <laughs> I like the ruling though. The Supreme Court ruled today that immigrants who entered the US illegally and were later allowed to remain in the country for humanitarian reasons are not eligible to become permanent residents. A unanimous decision by the court. Wow. That could affect thousands of people including many who've lived in the United States for years and had hoped had hoped to obtain lawful permanent resident status. Justice Elena Kagan, writing for the court, said the decision was a straightforward application of U.S. law. Yeah, that's what a lot of us have been calling for for years. Let's just apply the laws we've already got. If you don't like them, we'll change them. We'll talk about changing them. But let's enforce the law. It's a straightforward application of the law. Again, a unanimous decision by the Supreme Court, which generally requires an immigrant to have been lawfully admitted to the U.S. before you can become eligible for a green card. 
the fact that you needed to ex- exhale the carbon dioxide to speak that sentence is amazing to me. The decision. No, of this, you can't sneak in and, oh, I guess we got to make you a citizen now. This is an interesting kind of spin from the Hill. Uh, spin, but true. The decision handed a legal victory to the Biden administration, who found itself at odds with a number of Democratic lawmakers and immigrant rights advocacy groups. So oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, they're absolutely under pressure from their left flank to just throw away the very idea of a border. Yeah. Huh. Wow, unanimous. There are 400,000 people currently living in the U.S. under that uh, situation. You know, uh, it was I had quite the experience Saturday evening. I was watching the news and watching a feature on people pouring across the border and the cartels and the rest of it, and just these buses full of people day after day after day coming across the country, and us saying, well, you got a kid with you, so I guess you're in for good. And then I go to dinner and and meet some lovely folks who are Brits who are now in the U.S. living Hello. in the U.S. and they they didn't actually talk like that. And um, call your boss pudding, please. We don't have any pudding. Pardon me. What, this restaurant doesn't serve pudding. If I might get to my point, uh, these people. He was a lawyer. She is a. Something to do with, like, rehabilitation, medical rehabilitation, uh, post-operative, that sort of thing. Thoroughly lovely people. And they briefly detailed the incredible struggles they've had through the years trying to be allowed to stay in the United States. And the yin and the yang of it is enough to make you insane. Yeah, it really is. This is, well, it's, it's lawlessness. This is what you get with lawlessness. Um, there are more people that are, uh, what's got a hashtag now? Does it have a hashtag? It should have a hashtag. Knockout conspiracies emerge after a suspicious Floyd Mayweather Logan Paul video. Have you seen the video? Because I just read about it. When you see the video, Floyd Mayweather last night hits the YouTube star. The star clearly is crumpling, and the very strong Mayweather, like, holds him up. And just keeps him from falling over until he like gets his wits back about it. So it seems pretty clear that Mayweather knocked him out or almost knocked him out and held him up until he got his his conscience back. What do you suppose uh, was going on there? I don't know. Who knows what their agreement was between the two of them? That's exactly where I was going. Sean, your theory? It's better for business if I don't embarrass these people that I'm trying to fight. If yeah. I if I put on enough of a show, they get to say, "Hey, I went the distance with a world champ." Right? You get more of these fights. He said pre-fight that I've retired from boxing. I haven't retired from entertaining. He's just cashing checks. Okay. And he made All a couple right. million dollars. Yeah, I get that. I get from Floyd May. I get from Logan Paul's camp. Why? Listen, don't humiliate the guy. This is just brand building. We're going to pay you a buttload of money to help build this guy's brand. All right, Floyd. Floyd gets it. He's a pro. Um. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder. Well, the whole thing was obviously an exercise in cashing checks, mm-hmm. and only that. So, well, interesting. General Grievous, all the way at number ten. You say, Sean? Interesting. <laughs> yeah. It, my, I don't, uh, I don't know any of the, I've never even heard any of these names before. <laughs> uh you heard Moff Gideon. He was in the. Uh, he was in the Mandalorian. That's the recency bias. He was in the most recent okay. show. He's at three. No, no reason he should be that high. Grand Admiral Thrawn, I understand why you wouldn't necessarily uh, know him. He was based <laughs> largely in the uh, kind of the ancillary books, not even really a, a, a George Lucas character. 
But uh, very well, Grand Salon Thrawn? What did you say? Grand Admiral Thrawn, inspired by oh. Sherlock Holmes and legendary military strategists like Thou Alexander the Great. Right. Oh, Jeez, you're killing me with this. Just killing me. <laughs> so we've said for Kylo years. Kylo Ren at number eight. Oh, I'm I'm done. I'm done. Sorry. <laughs> yes, you are. You were done before. Please stop. So uh, we've said for years that Thomas Friedman's written some great stuff about the Middle East, but man, when it comes to uh, domestic stuff, he's insufferable. Not only that, but he's got this adolescent thing where he falls in love with ideas and then just goes crazy describing how wonderful they are and. Just he gets all enthusiastic and hormonal about various things. If I may step in here, because I think I know where you're going. I used to watch Charlie Rose every night. And Tom Friedman would be on Charlie Rose. Comparing notes on open robes and that sort of thing. Regularly. Regularly, given his speech about how much better they've got it in China with their government. And how amazing it is. And wouldn't it be great if we could be like China? He did that all the time. And I'd always watch it and I'd think, really? Are you really saying this? Yeah, yeah. Well, Jonah Goldberg actually put had a piece in the Dispatch, which deals with some of the Tom Friedman stuff, but goes back to the progressive era in the 20th century. Woodrow Wilson and all those people, they were incredibly racist. I mean, they believed the government should have all power to do anything it wanted. There is no such thing as the natural rights of man. The only rights that exist on Earth are the rights that the government says you have and that they should have the right to toss the Constitution, just perfect humanity. I mean, there were, they were monsters, a lot of the, the heroes of the democratic 20th century. But anyway, FDR had some, some pretty bizarre thoughts in that direction, too. But anyway, uh, in 05, 2005, Thomas Friedman wrote, Dear God in heaven, forgive me my my sins. Not fins. (laughs) He's not a dolphin. He's a sinner. Forgive me my sins, for I have been to China, and I have had bad thoughts. Forgive me, Heavenly Father, for I have cast an envious eye on the authoritarian Chinese political system, where leaders can and do just order that problems be solved. I cannot help but feel a tinge of jealousy at China's ability to be serious about its problems and actually do things that are tough and require taking things away from people. Dear Lord, please accept accept my expression of remorse for harboring such feelings. Amen. And then in his book, The World is Flat, there's a whole chapter titled China for a Day in which he explains how awesome it would be if America could have a Chinese-style dictatorship one day a year, because then you could impose your will on the country. And Jonah Goldberg wrote, switching to his piece, why it's as if the Federalist Papers, with all that stuff about checks and balances, divided government, and the need for cooler passions and diffuse power were brilliant. The one mistake Madison, Hamilton, and Jay made was not specifying that all that stuff should bind the government for only 364 days a year. On the 365th day, tyranny tyranny day, policymakers could do whatever they want. Yeah, Tom Friedman would go on all the time about how in China, if uh, if she decides, wasn't she at the time, but if she decided now we need a bridge here, they'd build the bridge in like two weeks. And it didn't have to go through all the crap that we have in our government. Well, we used to be able to do a lot of that. I was reading an article the other day about how the Empire State Building was built in about a year. And now there'd be At no... At the height way. of the Great Depression, right? And now you'd no way you could even get the paperwork for environmental studies done in a year, let alone build a building like that in a year. No, no. You couldn't even apply. Yep. Uh, but then Friedman said a little more recently in '09. Watching both the health care and climate energy debates in Congress, it is hard not to draw the following conclusion. There is only one thing worse than one-party autocracy, and that is one-party democracy, which is what we have in America today. 
one-party autocracy certainly has its drawbacks. Oh, thank you for conceding that, Tom. But when it is led by a reasonably enlightened group of people, as China is today, it can also have great advantages. That one party can just impose the politically difficult but critically important policies needed to move a society forward in the 21st century. So after surveying China's enlightened policies, Friedman said, our one-party democracy is worse. And by the way, that's during a time where the Democratic Party controlled the presidency, the House, and the Senate by wide margins. He was complaining about the Republicans, which is odd. But there are, and, and the ACLU thing we were talking about a little bit earlier, there are absolutely signs that there are people on the left who believe they are so righteous and so right that they should be entrusted with installing a China-style single-party rule. Friedman, that was not an idle mental exercise. He was fantasizing and praising the reasonably enlightened people who lead China. It w- which was a lie, we now know. Yeah. Um, that was kind of the apex of us believing that they were going to be good guys. Well, that you know, the problem has always been you make somebody a king, you know, the wise and benevolent king is the best form of government, but you can't count on a wise and benevolent king. Um, Even if they're wise and benevolent when they take the throne, they won't stay that way. That's just humans at work. Sometimes they become villains, perhaps one of the top ten Star Wars villains. You just (laughs) don't know. Why do you keep bringing that back up again? I just kind of like playing with fire. I don't know what you're trying to do there. I kind of like walking up to the line. Now, set aside the performance that Adam Driver did for Kylo Ren. There's no reason for him. Just on the character alone, he shouldn't be number eight on this list. He's got to be top five, minimum. Boba Fett, please, get out of the top five. No idea what he's talking about. Not the slightest. Boba Fett. We're going to try to finish strong coming up next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Could I interest you in everything, all of the time? A little bit of everything, all of the time. Apathy's a tragedy and boredom is a crime. Anything and everything, all of the time. That's the internet, social media, anything and everything, all the time. Apathy's a tragedy. We're going to play the whole version of that, which I guess is a little saucy, during our podcast that we do right after the show. It's called One More Thing. If you haven't ever checked that out, go to armstrongandgetty.com to catch that. Mm. I, uh, Always entertaining. Somebody tweeted this out, a Volkswagen's uh, Twitter account. They have a different Twitter account for every country they're in. And their little Twitter, Twitter logo is a rainbow this month because Volkswagen's up with the gay people. Sure, of course. Which is fantastic. And they got their Twitter uh, from all over France, the United States, everywhere. Oh, Twitter, Volkswagen Twitter Dubai. Hmm, no rainbow on that one. <laughs> so if it's uh, convenient... For you and uh, makes you more money, then yes. But uh, if you would get death threats for it, no. In other words, you have no actual stance on anything. You're just pretending to take a brave stance. Yeah, I saw a couple of pieces over the weekend that uh, I didn't read them entirely, but the point is that a lot of gay folks are starting to realize, hey, wait a minute, y'all are just kind of pandering to us and uh, trying to manipulate (laughs) manipulate us into buying your product. Uh, Yes, that is correct. Federal judge with a big old ruling Friday after we went off the air. 
federal judge in California found the state's ban on the sale of AR-15s and other popular AR-15s and other popular rifles violated the Second Amendment. Judge Roger Benitez. He said, this case is not about extraordinary weapons lying at the outer limits of Second Amendment protection. The banned assault weapons, quote-unquote, are not bazookas, howitzers, or machine guns. Those arms are sold, uh, are dangerous and solely useful for military purposes. Instead, the firearms deemed assault weapons are fairly ordinary, popular, modern rifles. This is an average case about average guns used in average ways for average purposes. You know, that's very true. They can be used to shoot up a school, but... That's not a reason to take away the best varmint rifle that exists. Right. If you want to shoot rabbits, for instance. Well, and there's so much that's just tribal and silly about this because, as a, you know, we've pointed out, listeners have pointed out, you can get virtually the same gun, I mean, that is California compliant and or alter one that is. And it's just, it's, it's an effortless law to get around. So it hasn't had any effect. But I saw a bunch of people on Twitter over the weekend reacting to the uh, to the the ruling with the predictable uh, doomsday predictions: blood running in the street. Uh, this judge is is a monster. Blah blah blah. It's just it has no significance. This is kind of cool. A little perspective. Can you handle it? Uh, I, I don't know. I'll archaeologists. Let you know. And think this, and there's a picture of it, 45,500-year-old cave painting. Over 45,000-year-old cave painting could be the oldest evidence of human storytelling. storytelling. I'm glad the show's almost over because my ability to speak has completely left me. I hope the cavemen were more more clear. Um, Let me know when they make it an NFT. It is. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. That'd be cool. You know, I've seen some old cave drawings and stuff like that, and I've heard about old cave drawings, but 45,000-year-old cave drawings of pigs. You you can't even comprehend it. Of pigs, you said? No, you can't comprehend it. Was it the three little pigs? Is that the story they were telling? 43,000 years before Jesus. I'll huff, and I'll puff, and I'll blow your cave in. It's prehistory. Yeah. Oh, it's pre-prehistory. Yeah. It's pre-that. By a lot. Yeah, there were human beings that, from everything we know, we believe were every bit as smart as we are now, and had all the same needs and wants and desires. I mean, they right. clearly recognized how pigs were awesome. So, <laughs> so, so they drew pictures of pigs on the wall. By the way, I like pigs. Let's draw a picture of a pig. It's raining outside. What do you want to do? Let's draw pigs again, Daddy. <laughs> all right. All right. Why not? You do the snout. I'll do the tail. Oh, so it's the earliest human storytelling, but there's no plot? You can't explain the story, is it? It's going to be it's a Netflix special. <laughs> oh, okay. Armstrong and Getty, you have disappointed me for the last time. These are your final thoughts. There you go. That's pretty good. Guy with the bucket on his head. Here's your host, Joe Getty. <laughs> hey, how about a final thought from everybody on the crew to wrap things up for the day? He's pressing buttons in the control room. Michelangelo, Michael. Yeah, for me, how much money to be happy? I just want a comfortable bed, a reliable car, and a house in a safe ne- neighborhood, and I'm happy. Good man. Well, that's, I agree that's with you, very man. well adjusted. I absolutely agree. Good for you. What kind of golf clubs you got, though? Yeah, I don't need the golf clubs. All right. Positive Sean's our producer. Final thoughts? It's going to be harder to play golf without the golf clubs. Um, I went out and, uh, with some friends out into the uh, the wild deserts and uh, shot some guns this weekend. Put some yes. pans and bottles on logs and shot them up. Even even had one of those hand, uh, what are the, the pigeon thrower things. Did a little shotgun shooting. That was fun. 
Yeah, awesome, man. Good for you. Yeah, we used to call them redneck parties when we'd get together with our friends and blow stuff up with guns. Uh, Jackie, final thought to share? Michael mentioned this last week. I've had the same problem where I've just lost all discipline around eating. Just like like it exi- like it doesn't exist. Like I'm on vacation. Maybe it was the vacation that threw me off. And I'm stuck in vacation mode where calories and money don't count. I just, how do you get back on track again? Yeah, I forgot to weigh myself this morning. You know what you yeah. need? You need a candid picture from an unflattering angle to be put in front of you. That's what Yikes. usually gets most people motivated. Yikes. Whoa, that's what I look like from the side. <laughs> My final thought is I take a look at the ACLU abandoning every principle they've ever had to advocate for progressive causes. If you only have principles when it's easy to have them, you have no principles. Please. Surely Darth Vader's number one, Sean. Oh, yeah, that's an easy one. Yeah. Okay. So who's number uh, two, then? Uh, number two, uh, Emperor Palpatine, the other kind of big heavy sure. from the, the major films. Okay. See, I don't know that name. And then number three, Moff Gideon. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. We have all sorts of clicks under hot links for you. Everything we talked about, some great articles. Also, you can email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Pick yourself up some great swag. The podcasts are all there. The one more thing, if you missed a segment, it's there, armstrongandgetty.com. Yeah, cool. Yeah, we'll have good stuff tomorrow. It's our job every single day. See you then. God bless America. I'm strong and getty. As my mother would say, who died and left them boss? Is it, it's sort of, it's kind of bogus. No, it's not a big deal. Screw it, I'm leaving. Go away. I'm just saying. But we're not packing it, we're unpacking Get out of here, you moron. It's a mark of a mature mind of an individual or a nation that it can distinguish between a problem and a mess. Yeah, it's just complete, utter nonsense. Can I ask our producers, can we uh, get out of here, please? So goodbye. Okay. The Armstrong and Getty.